Hey, welcome back to the Infest Podcast. This is Brian. This is your long lost ho- co host, Daryl Jasper. You're so weird. I know. So weird. I embrace my weirdness. So weird. I mean, really? I mean, I mean, I can't talk. I, have zero I was about to say to talk, pot kettle. Like you, I was like, I you mean, embrace it even more than I do. I, I, I'm just saying, I don't have a helmet with my name on it that I have to wear all the time. <laughs> so. Just stenciled right there. Daryl. <laughs> my name is Daryl. I'm looking for my brother Larry and my other brother Daryl. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've never heard that before. <laughs> That's probably the first thing most people say to you. <laughs> when I first, yeah. Uh, like, especially back in the early 2000s. Man, I got that all the time. Oh, yeah. All the time. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, welcome back. I want my Bucky's nugs. So we need to figure that out. Yeah. I'm holding them for ransom. What? You son of a bitch. I, I wish I had had him up here. I would have opened one like, oh, there's oh, one. He's gone. I would have driven down and beat you <laughs> to death <laughs> with Cooper. <laughs> I just held Cooper by the tail and just hit you with him over and over I thought you were going to say with, with the Bucky's back. <laughs> no, I don't want to damage the cheese nugs. <laughs> The, the the sweet and kind of spicy or whatever sort of spicy Bucky's cheese nugs are the best fucking thing ever. Oh, I love them. Um, all right. So this week we are, well, one, we're going to catch up and learn about Daryl's vacation because he ate at Johnny D's like hopefully at least four times. Um, uh, three. You son of a bitch. Um <laughs> No, so we're talking John Romita John Romita Sr. Uh Lord Miller making weird comments about superhero fatigue. Um Ripperverse proving that wrong. Uh, Ezra Miller made his first comments in like well over a year, which is crazy to think about with how much he's been in the uh in the news for uh for crime. Um and then we're gonna talk about the flash a little bit, even though neither one of us has seen it. Um that'll all be tied into the Ezra Miller stuff. And then we are just going to finish out with what we're watching um, and uh, just kind of talk about some of the things that are new that we're watching that we're excited about or new to us um, and uh, something, some things that we're, we're rewatching. So uh, D welcome back. How was Myrtle beach? It was very welcome, very necessary, yeah. very needed yeah. uh, step away from the reality of cool. Really, reality. Yeah, because reality every, is all disappointing. Everybody needs a, a step back every once in a while, right? Yep. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, so you want to get started? Let's get nuts. <laughs> God, that Frank Caliendo thing was great. <laughs> by the way, I'm just, I'm just gonna point that. Dude, out. he is so. I, I, I tend to forget how much I liked him. Right. Uh, okay, so. Uh, kicking off John Romita senior, the legendary Marvel artist who is probably has outside of Didco, the most iconic, uh, Spider-Man. Yes. So, uh, anyway, he passed away. Uh, he was 93. So, which I didn't realize he was that old. Um, John Romita Jr. announced it this past week. He died on Monday at his home in Long Island. Um, you know, and and as someone who is a big fan, I actually have um, 
I have not like original John Romita senior art, but I do have a bunch of uh, John Romita art, which is pretty cool. But he took over for Steve Ditko in 1966 on um, for a five-year run on The Amazing Spider-Man. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. He's most known for Mary Jane and Kingpin. Yeah. It's and, one of those yeah. things that, yeah, that uh, obviously I we, we both probably had more experience with his son, John Romita Jr., as far as artwork. Which, he gets a bad rap, and I'm actually a fan of John Romita Jr.'s artwork. So, um, yeah. Because I just like how unreal it looks. I, I know it sounds weird, but... Um, yeah, the other thing is, um, um, Ramita senior's time on Spider-Man is when Spider-Man overtook fantastic four as Marvel's top selling, um, comic. And, and that's when Spider-Man became like number one on the, on the, uh, baby face sheet backstage. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, I just did a quick search on John Ramita senior art and some of these iconic, uh, yeah. Panels that mm-hmm. he's done, it's just. I mean, it's he's one of those people that, like you just said about the whole Spider-Man thing, overtaking Fantastic Four. Right. You know the big run with uh, the Mary Jane Kingpin. He's one of those people that I think because it's. I mean, he's been around so long. Yeah, comic geeks know, but I don't know if he'll necessarily with the. That's not a name a lot of people get just because. I mean, it's been so long, and they're. A lot of what are, what do you call them? normies or casuals? Yeah, don't understand the the impact that he had in right. the comic book world. Yeah, I mean he he did he did so much for for just comics in general, and yeah, um, he's he was a he was a great 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 artist, and he will definitely be missed. Um, but luckily, we have his work for decades to yes. go back and, and look at. And, um, you know, um, I'm pretty sure he did the Spider-Man no more, um, cover, yes. which I, yeah. I recreated with Legos when I stopped doing my Spidey a day thing, um, a few years ago. So yeah, I, I kind of missed that. Spidey you missed the Spidey a day. Should I bring it back? I absolutely. Do. I something. Yeah. You should bring it back in some iteration. Uh, I don't know. It's, it was a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> so, it wasn't it wasn't as much work as Deadpool kills the Lego universe. <laughs> but that got dark and I got really scary. It got really scary about like the way I had Deadpool killing other Lego characters. You're a monster. <laughs> You're a monster. So, I mean, he melted poison ivy with um with um weed killer. Of course he did. So, and then there was the whole like Wolverine saga that went on for weeks because <laughs> he kept trying to kill Wolverine. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no. So, so senior will definitely be missed. Um, he is a great, great artist, one of my favorites. And um, you know, it's it's lucky that we have all that decades of artwork to go back and look at. So, yes. um, condolences to John Romita Jr. and his family. Um, his his tweet about his dad was was really nice. Um, just you know, I say this with a heavy heart. My father passed away peacefully in his sleep. Um, he's a legend in the art world, and it would be my honor to follow in his footsteps. Uh, please keep your thoughts and condolences uh, here, out of respect for my family. He was the greatest man I ever met. So I mean, that's super sweet. I love to hear it. Um, yeah, you know, 
uh, I, like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of both senior and junior. So, um, oh, he also uh, did the first um, artwork of Wolverine. So never mind. I take back everything I said, everything nice I said. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Um, but yeah, so, you know, uh, RIP senior, um, hopefully, you know, at 93, I think going in your sleep is kind of the, the preferred way to go as long as yeah. he wasn't sick. So yeah, it kind of reminds, I just watched the Yellowstone and the one cat old cowboy. Oh yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. So, um, all right. So moving on, um, <sighs> superhero fatigue. Is it a thing? Is it what's happening? Um, so this comes from bounding into comics, uh, Spider-Man across the spider verse writers, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller push back against superhero fatigue theater. Oh, sorry. Theory. The audiences in theater, the audience in theater cannot be sustained on Easter eggs and reveals, uh, which I actually agree with. I don't believe there is superhero fatigue. I think, I think that there's just bad superhero movies. Yes. I think what that is, well, it's some people that just look at the numbers and think, oh, people are just tired of it. And it's also people that want to make an excuse for those numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, there's no such thing as, as fatigue of a movie genre. What it is, is and, and this when we can get we'll get into this a little bit because even James Gunn mentions it. It is it's a fatigue in the same exact thing happening with just different characters. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. That's where I was just talking to a couple coworkers at work, and one of the things I said is, "What I get tired of is everything has to be into the world. It, it's always into the world, and and you see this in comics. The only way they can get people to buy some of this stuff." is when they do the crossovers mm -hmm. and, and you know, crossovers get progressively worse, let's be honest, but they do the crossovers and it's just a world ending thing. You don't get back down to the ground. And we can talk about this a little bit with Isom because they, well, the that's second, why I purposely put Isom yeah. next. So, because the second conversation that Eric had with Chuck Dixon, mm -hmm. who we we're talking about great uh, comic book, book creators, creators yeah. and is, is up there with all of them. They, they talk about that too. Yeah. I mean, but I think with, Chuck Dixon is probably my favorite comic book writer of all times, like him or mm -hmm. Greg Rucka. It's pretty close. Um, but yeah. So yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. You know what I have fatigue about though, is like the bad storytelling and the changing, the fundamental changing of characters. Um, yes. Like, I know I haven't seen Across the Spider-Verse yet, but, like, they got it so right casting Oster, Oscar Isaac as Miguel, uh, mm -hmm. Spider-Man 2099, but then they had to race swap Jessica Drew, but they used Misty Knight's character skin. Yes. It's like, just put, like, why not just put Misty Knight in there and she's got the fake arm or the robot arm, whatever, and she's a spider from another universe. Like... Why, why, like, why are like, I, I just, you know, I, I think it, it goes too far. Um, I will say the one thing I do kind of want to see about this movie is little baby Mayday. Um, cause Mayday Parker is like, you know, she's only been in, in, you know, a handful of comics, um, throughout time, but she's, you know, she's one of those characters that it's like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, 
so yeah, there was a couple good comments by James Gunn in yep. here too, which I'm still leery on what he's going to do, despite how much I, so I told you about Guardians. I thought, well, we both saw Guardians and we both like enjoyed yeah, the Yeah, Guardians movie. was good. Yeah. I just, I don't know if he's still, I don't know if he's the right person to write and direct Superman. Uh, but I, I think he's not, but that is my opinion and I am yeah. happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, and that's where I'm at. I don't think he is either. It doesn't mean he doesn't write good stuff because he absolutely does. There's proof in that. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean he, just just because a guy a person's a good actor doesn't mean they're right for this role or that role right. necessarily. But they can prove us wrong. Been proven wrong before mm -hmm. with this stuff. So I really, because I'm a fan of comics, because I'm a fan of movies, I hope I'm proven wrong with that. But James Gunn, he actually he was on um, where is it? He was on Inside of You podcast with Michael Rosenbaum, yep. which I'll need to I'll need to watch this. I want to watch this episode honestly. I, I like the Michael Rosenbaum po podcast, um, but I only like it when he has the Smallville actors on. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but you know it's just like yeah. So he he asked him, Gunn, if there are too many superhero shows and movies, which I absolutely do agree with that. Yeah, he says Gunn says yes, yeah. I think I do think there's too many, but I don't think it's not. It's much less a problem of too many. And yes, we're not going to overextend ourselves at DC. We're going to be very careful with the product that we put out and make sure everything is as good as it possibly can be, which. Yeah. And then he continues. He's like, I think what's happened is people have gotten really lazy mm -hmm. with their superhero stories and they have gotten to a place where, oh, it's a superhero. Let's make a movie about it. And they make, oh, let's make a sequel because the one did good. And they, they aren't thinking about why is this story special? Mm -hmm. What makes this story stand apart from others? What is at the heart of it? Yeah. What makes this story different? And that is exactly the point. It's like they cut and paste. They say, okay, this worked from here eight years ago. Why don't we just keep doing that? And that's what it seems like the MCU's done. I don't even know what the DC the DCU has done. They're, they're, that's all. That's another story. But overall... The, yeah, it's just cut and paste, and there's there is no heart, there is no soul in these movies. Right. Even some of the ones that I've enjoyed, like like I, I mentioned, yeah, I know you haven't seen Shang Chi. I enjoy Shang Chi, but Shang Chi suffered from the same thing. Right. It, it didn't have it didn't have, and there was ample opportunity to put heart in that movie because there was a huge a good storyline between him and his father. They didn't do a good enough job with that. Right. And because that movie could have been really good if it was just been about father and son. And but again, it goes third act. It goes with the whole end of the world thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, that sucks. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really third, know. But yeah. Yeah, because James, he, he says, like, I'm watching third acts of superhero films where I really just don't feel like there's a rhyme or reason to what's happening. I don't care about the characters. Mm -hmm. That right there. That right there. And, and again, it we've talked about this. Look at some of these writers on these shows and movies and their, their writing credits. Right. They don't have the experience to do some of this stuff. Well, and it's not even that. They just don't care about this stuff, right? Yeah. Like, well, that's, that's like, a big part. And then yeah. they just try to self-insert themselves into something that they didn't create. And that that's where the fatigue comes yeah. into play, right? 
it's when it's when you have these these people who have a huge agenda and then they're like well we're just gonna go ahead and uh and make this like awful and horrible and yeah you know you all have to deal with it yeah and and that's the the agenda thing you're you're right because when you have that agenda you whether you have skill or not you can't put the heart and soul that a movie needs into it because you're so concerned about what you're trying to say right you don't care about the the characters are secondary tertiary whatever but it's your message not the message of the characters it's your message and that's where a lot of this stuff falls down because like you said one they don't care they're care more care about more about the message and let's be honest a lot of these people don't have the skill to bring these characters to life right. just because they don't have the, the experience. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, you see that in like, you saw, you honestly, you saw that in Captain Marvel, right? You, mm-hmm. you saw that in the, the Miss Marvel series, you saw it wholly on display with She-Hulk. And here's the thing is the problem is, is they're doing the same thing. The fatigue is like doing the same thing over and over again. It's like what they're saying here. And that's what mm-hmm. they're doing with these female characters. They're perfect. Yes. They're perfect from the beginning. They, they don't need any yes. training. They, 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 they know better than everyone else. And they are just the worst people that they're, the, they're creating. The best example of com- shot or not shot by shot. Best comparison is if you compare the cartoon and live action versions of Mulan. Yeah. You look at what Mulan went through in the cartoon, in the original movie, the struggle she went through, getting knocked on her butt and having to get back up again, get back up again and work through it. And then you see the Mulan in the live action who is Mm -hmm. from the start is just so perfect and Mm -hmm. beats all the men and doesn't struggle at all. The mm-hmm. point of a, it's not even just a female, it's the point of a good character, a good hero, a good right. hero's arc is you watch the hero get knocked on their ass and they keep coming back. Like and they Miguel somehow Diaz. find a way. Right. M- Miguel Diaz, I think. Yes. Yes. In, in bodies yeah. from Cobra Kai, if you don't know, mm-hmm. um, he's the one true karate kid. He embodies the hero's journey so, so, so much. Um, he even had his back broken. And like, you know, figured it out. <laughs> so, right. you know, I, and like, I think the way they use like Tori and Sam, like, even though like Sam's a potato, um, they, the, the, both of those girls had setbacks. Neither one of yes. them were perfect and they had to overcome. Like yeah. one is a hero, Tori, the other is a villain, Sam LaRusso. And you know, it, um, that's just the way it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Are you arguing with me about this? Uh, I mean, no, not really. Are you really, going to fight me on we, this? I mean, we, Sam, we, we know, we, Sam you know my opinion of Sam Sam Cobra Kai. She, you know she my is, opinion on her. She is she is the most evil person on that show. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway. to your point, though, like you said, they both had setbacks. They right. both had to overcome right. things. Right. And that's what you want in characters. Yep. I'm just saying, she makes John Kreese look like a teddy bear. Just saying. You know. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah. So, all right. So let's let's jump to the next topic here, um, and 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 kind of debunk uh, the whole idea of superhero fatigue. Uh, Eric July and and Ripaverse. So, Isom Number Two has launched. Um, it made nearly a million dollars in the first forty eight hours. Um, let me pull it up real quick. 
Oh, oh it's just about um, to do that. So right now, if I go to the campaign for ISOM number two, um, with it, it ends on August 27th. There are, he's at almost $1.4 million. So keep in mind, ISOM number one made over three, I believe. Yes. Um, and, you know, so I, I think this is great. There's interior work here. Um, the, the, the covers, the covers are great. Um, as far as like the designs and things like that, I think I'm definitely gonna get the EVS cover. Um, which one is that? It is. Cause I got I cover B cause that was my favorite one. Uh, cover B. Click here for details. Let me see here. I forget which one it is. Um, God, their site's so slow right now because it's just like getting killed constantly. Um, uh, I don't know. I can't find it. Um, I don't remember which one. But um, yeah, I, I just think that it might be B. It looks yes, like B. Yes, it's, it's B. I didn't even realize when I got so, it, it was uh, EVS did uh, yeah. cover B. Yeah, here we go. Um, that was my favorite one. This cover will never be reprinted. That's what I kind of like about this with like the covers. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, um, I, I really like Cliff Richards art. I, I always have. Um, Gabe El Tayyib is a great colorist. So there's that. Um, and, you know, there's there's other books coming out soon. Chuck Dixon's writing a book. Um, oh, wow. It uh ISOM number one did three point or three million seven hundred and thirty-three thousand nine hundred and twenty dollars. Um, which is huge. Like mainstream comics do not make three million dollars on an issue. Um mainstream comics do not make three million dollars on a quarterly graphic novel. You know, and this these are ninety page graphic novels. Yeah, I do say they I, I will say like with this, they need to start rolling stuff out a lot faster. Yes. Um, and and there there's yeah. definitely room for improvement with him. Like and I think he's starting to do this with Chuck Dixon. And I hope this becomes more of a, a mentor mentee talk, thing. Yeah. And also talking more about the like yeah. focusing more about that. on, And he even admitted he made a mistake of focusing more on the detractors and mm. some of the people in the street called him out a couple weeks well, ago that's because his whole like shtick is monetize your haters right yes like, which that, is fine that, yeah but he, i think this is the thing i think with especially with the success of one and the what we're seeing with two and him being an owner of this company with you know saska sisters and uh chuck dixon mm -hmm. needs to really redirect his focus more on what you're building um right because there's a lot of room. I mean, there's so much room for growth with him. And yeah, you know, watching this. Uh, so apparently, uh, somebody did do, did do a good breakdown of the like the financials of how, mm -hmm. like from an issue standpoint, as far as the comics sold, it was outpacing. I, and he even I think said that it's actually outpacing from a issue sold. Mm -hmm. um, you know the pacing of that, yeah. but. Like it's because people are buying multiple copies like for yeah. their store or their friends or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. because the first one had 42,926 total purchasers mm -hmm. 
And yeah. so far, this one has 11,542 total purchasers. So, I mean, it's actually looking at where it is now. It's, it's like people are buying multiple books. Right. So. So I, I just, again, I like, and again, there's, there's some inspiration here. Just listening to him talk with him and Chuck Dixon talking back and forth, which mm-hmm. I've watched the first stream of this that and i'm i'm still like halfway through the second stream of that man as 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 someone who loves writing as someone who loves just comics and heroes and not just superheroes but heroes and the hero's journey and and characters listening to them go back and forth especially what chuck dixon brings with his experience and just his talent is just it's it's an inspiration and uh, the stuff like that i want to see more of because I really like what he started with with this I, this uh, Ripperverse, and you said you know you said Chuck Dixon wrote a book, The Alpha Core. He has actually already pitched Eric with another story, yeah. and they didn't say anything about what it was, but he said he'll probably knock it out in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, I saw him tweeting so. about that too, or Instagram or whatever, Facebook. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So I mean, I think this is great. So then also rolling into that. To announce Isom number two, they they put out an animated trailer. Oh man! From Ripoverse Studios, and what I, I I tweet I messaged you and I was like, "Fuck the comic! I want a cartoon." Yeah. Like the animation yes. is amazing. It's from Brazen Studios. Uh, let me see, Brazen Animation. Um, and like the whole thing is is just real. Like it looks great. It sounds great. Um, you know, it, it's like, all right, yeah, this is like old school DC animation stuff. Um, it just all looks really good. I was I was not expecting that. Yeah. Like, I thought it was just going to be like some stills, like motion, yeah. like, like a motion That's comic kind of thing. And it kind of yes. is that, but it's more so. So I, that's exactly what I thought, because I've seen that a bunch of like even you know, Marvel and some of these other common yeah. companies have done that, which, again, it's just most they, they are just nothing but stills. This was or stills, but they added a lot to it. Yeah. And I absolutely 100 percent agree. I want yeah. the com- I want I want the cartoon. Yep, I agree. I'm like, I, I hope that they they do something. Um, <laughs> I love this. The first comment on the cartoon never been so proud of someone i've never met this is amazing keep going bro we will win can't stop won't stop um yeah this is this is awesome um but yeah i I just think like i agree with you i think he uh i think he goes too far into like the detractors and, and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But, but with this announcement with this, like hopefully they do this for like alpha core and the other ones too. I forget the woman character's name. They're, they're wonderful. Uh, Yara. Yara. Thank Yara. You. Um, will look good. Oh, this is nice. Someone said not my cup of tea, but happy for them. That's great. Like, you know, I mean, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, Yeah. Oh, interesting. 
Uh, oh, this guy, this guy leaving a comment. I've stopped backing these $40 books until I actually get some of the books I backed for campaigns from years ago that have yet to be fulfilled. Um, I don't have anything that I've backed that I've never gotten. Um, the only one that like took a long time was for me was like the old Sullivan Sluckers book about like the, mm -hmm. the horror baseball team. That's the only mm -hmm. one that like got, like, I got like years later. I was like, Oh shit. I totally forgot about this. So. <laughs> But, um, but like, I think what I'm doing, like with Arc Athena, for example, it's a six issue thing or a six, whatever. So I'm just waiting until the last one and I got the first two and I'm just going to do like, you know, whatever the, the tier is to get them all and then like donate the first two to a library mm -hmm. or something. Um, but yeah, anyway, no, this is exciting. I'm happy for Eric. I like Eric. Um, I like his, his content. I like Dyson number one. It wasn't perfect, but like you said, he's yeah, going to grow. Nothing. And that's yeah. what, that's all we can hope for. Yeah. Like you look at any, uh, good writer or anything and compare their first works with subsequent works. You can see that you, you see the improvement because you learn stuff. You learn mm -hmm. stuff about yourself. You learn stuff about the characters. You learn stuff about what works with the audience. Cause that's one of the things that Chuck Dixon talked about is like when he was writing stuff, he was like, Talk about spoiler, for example. He's like, she was supposed to be a throwaway. Mm -hmm. And what happens? You know, the, the fans respond. You know, going back to Buffy, Spike was supposed to be a throwaway villain, Spike and Drusilla. Right. And the fans responded to both of them. And right. that's why Josh Wheaton, to, to his chagrin in a way, because he, you know, he didn't want that. But right. that's why Spike became what he, he became. I mean, that's where heroes fell apart because. Tim Kring fell in love with the character of hero and who he had mm -hmm. a character he had intended to kill and then went ahead and, and kept him. Yes. So yes. Compromised his vision. Yup. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to the Ezra Miller comments. Um, so, all right. I am, I am just appalled by, what DC studios is doing saying that they're not going to get rid of him, that they're going to keep him, that he's their flash. And it's like, I get that J James Gunn might like Ezra Miller as a, as a person. Maybe I like that, that leads to a whole bunch of other questions. Um, but this was his first time he's done any public showing for the last two years other than court. Um, and he openly spoke about the misconduct allegations levied against him and his various legal woes addressing fans and many industry players. Um, he, the, the, this dude is, is mentally ill and like should not like be front and center for any of this right now. Um, Talk about like everyone likes to talk about white privilege, right? Um, Ezra Miller, I believe, is faking being part of the Alphabet Mafia so he can get Alphabet Mafia privilege. Mm -hmm. I mean, 100%. Like, he's had um, a misdemeanor, it was a misdemeanor for disorderly conduct, which was a um, first off, it was an assault. And he paid a $500 fine, and then he had harassment charges against people, and those were just dismissed. And it says here, 
Uh, Miller received a rock star welcome at the Flash premiere introduced by Andy Massetti. Um, I love you, Maestro, Miller told the filmmaker. I think you're amazing, and I think your work is monumental. Um, and, And here's the problem, is of course someone like this receives a rock star welcome in Los Angeles. Yes. Like this is this this is this plays into the fatigue. Um it was initially announced that this movie was going to make 140 million dollars domestically open weekend opening weekend. It is now on track to earn less than 70 million the first weekend in the first 3 days. It it um it did only two million dollars more on Thursday night than Black Adam did, and Black Adam didn't even make four hundred million dollars. That is not good. We'll put it this way: Ant Man and Commie Mania, Quantum Mania, whatever you call it, only made sixteen to seventeen million somewhere in between there on Thursday. So double, almost double, on the Thursday night premiere. So, oh, I'm sorry. It was 9.7 million in previews. Um, but that is, that is awful. I mean, Transformers made 8.8 the week before. And that movie is not like anything anyone's really looking forward to. No. Um, but yeah, so I, if, if, if it only opens to 70, that means it's going to open to less than Black Adam. That's not good. I mean, this is this is the movie that they're calling like the flagship like reinvention of the DCEU to DC Studios. And if they if this movie makes 70 and they don't just like wholesale stop what they're doing and reevaluate before they launch anything new, mm-hmm. um this is this is bad. Yeah, it, there's no other way to say it. This is bad. And yeah. I mean, Forbes uh, review headline flash is more than we expect, but less than we deserve. So anyway, but just kind of back to Ezra Miller and we'll, we'll, we'll get into the flash, more of the flash stuff. Um, he was not used to market this movie at all because he is not a person who you can trot out there and be like, yes, this is who we want to put our franchise shoulders on. Um, and that's, uh, that like Warner Brothers Discovery not recasting him. I mean, Grant Gustin easily could have stepped in and played if he wanted to. Um, they could have got someone who was a little less tweaker and a little more analytic scientist to play Barry Allen. That's what Barry Allen is. Right. So um, anyway, all right, let's talk about the other Flash stuff, though, um, because uh, there's, there's so much happening here. Okay, so... When it comes to the box office here, it says uh, some predictions are as high as 85 and others are as low as 68. Um, the So it says here, however, the film's box office performance has been below expectations with just $64 million for the three-day and projected $72 million for the four-day weekend. But what's the four-day weekend? Oh, uh, Thursday through well, June no, thir- Thursday is tied into the Thursday is tied into Fridays. So what are they talking about? So are they talking about Juneteenth? Is is Juneteenth being recognized on um, the nineteenth? Yes. Why? Like, 
it's not June nineteenth; it's June thirteenth. So that well, that's what it is. That's what it was like. Uh, well, at least again, that's when it was started last year. That's yeah. what it was. So. So. But yeah, I, I'm assuming that's what they're talking about. So okay, so if this is okay, so for for shits and giggles, um, Juneteenth is is the four day holiday, right? If it makes seventy two million dollars in four days, this is an unmitigated failure out of the box office. And again, any plans that they have need to come back and look at this. Um, they're still they have to go against um, Spider Man. The Pixar Elementals, which is only slated to open at 35. Like Pixar has huge problems that we're not even talking about. Um, yes. You know, uh, yeah, this is um, this is bad. And like DC just signed Andy and Barbara Machete to like an all over like TV and movie first look deal. Uh, man, I know they're trying to like, why did we do this? I mean, they can probably get out of it pretty easy, but yeah, um, yeah. And speaking of Mr. Machete's uh, comments about the purposefully bad CG, right? I, I mean, just the headline of this bounding. The Flash director, Andy Machete, claims the film's terrible CG was intentional, meant to put audiences in the perspective of the Scarlet Speedster. So. Barry, wait, hold on. Let me go down to the comment. What was it? Um, where'd it go? Oh, who knew that the Flash saw the world as a mid-tier PlayStation 2 cutscene? <laughs> Here's the thing. It's the Flash cannot see the movie like, or the movie, the world like that. He has to see everything. He sees everything at super speed, right? He sees yeah. everything crystal clear because he has to. Because if there are, if there's anything other than like full cognitive, cognitive recognition of the world around him at how fast that he goes, he will pull an A train and run right through Huey's girlfriend. Yes, someone gets splatted. Right. Um. But yeah, so. <laughs> As theatrical audiences and social media users have begun to experience the horrors of The Flash's awful CG face to Uncanny Valley face, director Andy Muschietti has claimed that the film's, film's poor graphical quality was intentional. It was a contentional creative choice meant to show audiences how the world looks from the Speed Force Douse perspective of the titular hero. Um, from the opening sequence, for, furthering a number of infants that looked they were ripped straight out of Ally McBeal, to the PlayStation 2 level renders of Barry Allen's friends and family within the Speed Force, to awful di digital necromancy performed on both Christopher Reeve and George Reeves, The Flash stands as a prime example of how the execution of CGI can go horribly, horribly wrong. The talking head in Thor Love and Thunder. Yes. That is the widely mocked, you know, Thor Dumb and Blunder mocking head, which they went and like changed for Disney Plus and made it worse. Yeah. That's the, the you know, um, yeah, this is just, uh, take this, take the film's cinematic battle between Barry's, Barry's ragtag Justice League and the invading Kryptonian form, 
Kryptonian forces of General Zod. Shot on a boring, completely flat horizon, everything looks completely fake and green-screened, in a feeling which isn't helped by the fact that both berries seem to glide across the battlefield as they run, rather than actually interact with it. However, despite its lackluster, uh, it's lackluster to say the least quality, the Flash director Andy Machete claimed the film's off-putting, off-putting CGI is not a bug, but rather a feature. This is damage control on the highest level. This movie has been in the works, had things reshot for years. Yeah, I don't even know what the... They're saying the budget's like $200 million. It's more than that with all the reshoots and stuff. I, you know, I mean, in the marketing and the legal fees yeah. and I'm sure insurance. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. You know, legal all fees. that stuff too. Um, but yeah, it's... <laughs> Further, the end results of Machete's work, whether intentional or not, calls into question the report that Tom Cruise, the same man who takes practical effects so seriously that he leapt off of a physical mountain in his upcoming Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, has called the Flash director to praise the film on everything you want in a movie. I didn't even hear that. Hear yeah. about that. Someone called it the best, or James Gunn called it the best superhero movie ever. So it's like, mm, yes. maybe we don't want you in charge of DC Studios, James yeah. Gunn. So, um, yeah, I mean, this this isn't this isn't good. Um, and look, the thing is, when you try to deflect and uh, cover things up or, or gloss over things like Machete or like James Gunn said, or... Or go over the top like James Gunn said, because I guarantee I have not seen this movie. And I will bet your life that it (gasps) is not even in the top 10 of superhero movies of all time. (laughs) How dare you bet my life? I didn't even listen to what you just said, because I am am shocked and appalled that you would (laughs) be so cavalier with my life. How you like them apples? I mean, I feel like you're copying off me and you're going to cause fatigue for, you know, betting people's lives now that aren't their own. So thanks. One good turn, as they say. Thanks. You ruined the bit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I, you know, I, yeah. I just don't want to give this, this movie any money. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, it's, uh, it, it's not good. Um, I, I think the box office is really, really going to show something really sad on, on Monday when, when we get it. Yeah. Um, or actually tomorrow when we get it or yeah, tomorrow. Cause it's Saturday tomorrow. Yeah. yeah tomorrow when, yeah. when we get it, it's, it's just going to be, um, it's going to be bad news and they're going to like, be like, well, this is superhero fatigue. Not, not this is, this is a bad movie that was written by people who, uh, who don't care. Actually, it's really weird because this is written by John Francis Daly. Um, who was one of the writers on, um, what's it called? Uh, Spider-Man homecoming. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, John Francis Daly, Jonathan Goldstein, their writing partners, uh, Joby Harold. I don't know who this person is. Joby Harold. So 
I just got a deadline notification. Joby Harold, he uh, he was a producer writer for King Arthur: Legend of the Sword. Mm-hmm. He was a writer yeah. for Army of the Dead. Oh, he was also a writer on Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. Yeah. Um, so, I, I just got a notification yeah. on the phone the fl- uh, from Deadline. The Flash loses speed with sixty million dollar three day opening. That's what they're kind of still, you know, what we were just talking about projecting. Uh, here we go. Let's see. The Flash loses speed. 63 million, blah, blah, blah. There, there are a lot of lessons to be learned this weekend, but chief among them is what it is, what it is like for major, major motion picture studio to open a movie with largely a number of its, with largely a number of its cast, primarily its main star, not available to do press. Oh, here we go. Deadline spinning it. That's the big looming question, which has been on everyone's minds in the wake of Ezra Miller's tabloid laden 2020 to 2022 in regards to Warner Brothers and DC's $200 million flash, which isn't looking good with a three day around 60 million off from its 70 to 75 million the studio was expecting, which is half of what it was expecting. The studio yeah, I was about is, to say no. Yeah. It's still expecting the Juneteenth holiday to deliver and get the film $70 million over four days at 4,234 theaters. If that's the case, that's the first time the federal holiday, which has not proven itself to be a big movie-going day just yet, has yielded a daily movie growth north of $10 million. Last year, Universal's Jurassic World Dominion made only 8.6 on the Juneteenth Monday holiday. The pick did 200 and Oh, uh, this is Flash. The pick did $24.5 million yesterday, which includes the Thursday previews. So that is 9.7. So this movie only did about 13, less than oh $13 million dollars on a Friday. This, this, is, this is an this unmitigated is disaster for DC. That is awful. Wow. I'm going to throw this article into the show notes. Um, because this this is an unmitigated disaster for for what's going on here. Um, like and, and plus there's like the the elemental aspect, which is also bombing, um, according to this. So um, Note that late night shows going dark during the WGA strike also compound Warner's woes here. While Keaton showed up at the screening for Q&A in London and Paris, uh, the tub thumped movie on social and tub thumped the movie on social. He was busy shooting Beetlegeist 2 for Warner Brothers. Sasha Cayley, who plays Supergirl, did do press down to Miami and Texas. Where was Ben Affleck? Light Night TV provides a fun, not to mention a controlled environment where talent can sidestep any sticky conversations. The reason many didn't sit down with the bulk press is so they didn't have to be on the on the hook for fielding uncomfortable questions about leading uh, the leading star of the film, Miller. The Flash didn't have an eighty to hundred million dollar promotional partner campaign like most of these ten poles. Wow, this the 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 backpedaling and the excuses for this. Um, oh, they said they had some pattern, i.e., Puma with its flash sneakers, which is essential when it comes to cutting through the noise of the summer and opening a movie to big numbers. So listen to this. The next paragraph. 
But there's something else going on here that The Flash, built by you know James Gunn, is probably one of the greatest superhero movies ever made. And that's that moviegoers disagree, giving it a B cinema score and 77 on the other ones. Mm-hmm. That buzz, coupled with the fact that The Flash is very male-heavy and not pulling in as many women as Aquaman and Wonder Woman, is slowing it down. Okay. I mean, okay. Like, it... That's not. This is not good. No. the The fact that including Thursday, it made twenty four and a half million dollars. I'm smiling right now. <laughs> this is, and and again, coupled with the <laughs> elementals, just complete tire fire. That that movie's going to be. Yeah. Well, here here's my favorite. Like, go down another. Um. So going deep. Uh, Going deep universe on superhero movies comes with a risk of posting less than 100 million plus openings. Yes, franchises have um, have to start somewhere, i.e. Thor and Captain America, the first Avenger, 65 million for Cap, 65 million for Thor. This was 10 years ago when movies were this $7 is such- on average. Double the people who saw Captain America and Thor saw the Flash, or, or going to see The Flash this weekend. It says here, Aquaman may have posted 68 point, or 67.8 uh, million three-day, but it launched over Christmas holiday, and with previews started with 105 million over a five-day in an A cinema score. Again, six years ago, the, um, movie the, tickets this were ingenuous- like $9. Right now, they're $13 on average, this or something crazy like that. Again, this is why people don't. It's not just the political media. This just media in general. This is why we don't trust you because you bullshit your way through stories like this with and and just refuse to look at the facts. Yeah. Every excuse you try to you put every excuse out there, and this is what comes. Uh, you're comparing it to a movie to movies ten years ago. Well, they're also Are saying you- because they couldn't like like properly promo this movie. You do not need late night television. One, nobody watches late night television. Nobody watches the Jimmy's or Stephen Colbert or any of that shit because it sucks. It's not funny. It's gross. And, and, you know, I'm glad they're off the air right now. Like, honestly, if the writer's strike went on forever and these studios were just like, you know what? We don't need a writer's guild. Let's just hire people who write good shit. Like, Mm -hmm. that would be infinitely better. Yes. Um, but Andy Machete is going to be the Batman Brave and the Bold director. Mm. After this? Maybe not. Yeah, it it's like articles like this where it's just <sighs> I mean the black, need- the blackening did 2.5 million on Friday. So the blackening did 25% of what the DC tentpole movie for 2023 did. The blackening, a satire about a bunch of a cast of all black people about who's going to be the first one killed because you can't kill them all. Which I admit is really funny, and I kind of want to watch. That's it. hilarious. That's so, freaking hilarious. Um, you know, like did a quarter of what the Flash did on Friday. If you take out the Thursday preview, 
this is not good. This is, and the thing is, you can spin it however you want. Media and DC, call it what it is, a disaster. This is the worst possible thing that could have happened to them, especially like you said. I, I forgot the whole uh, first look thing. Yeah, with the machetes. This is not, and I know this is kind of like the tail end, the end slash the beginning, like the end of the Snyderverse, but the beginning of whatever we're going to supposedly have with James Gunn. They've, and again, maybe they've done this already because I know you said that, you know, after this, they better stop Mm -hmm. the presses and make sure they, they might've done this already. And James Gunn's just talking out of his ass just to try to promote the movie. But there are some serious questions and mm-hmm. serious, serious concerns because this is the thing. This is the other thing. What we said about Guardians. The fact is, Guardians did not make what it deserves in those first couple of weeks because of what came before it. Right. How is this going to be any different with the Superman? Doesn't matter if the movie's good or not. You're going to have this, the track record of these last 10 years with the DCU. Like even for someone like me who loved Man of Steel, that was a terrible start to this DCU. Mm-hmm. Well, because it have wasn't ever intended record. to be the start. Yeah. So this is the thing. This is it follows you. It, no matter what you say, you can make a like. I thought Guardians was very good, and it, if Guardians came out a few years ago before all this other crap came out, mm-hmm. I, I think I have no doubt it would have done better. I mean, it did eight hundred ten million worldwide. Yeah, which it, it it actually had legs because of word of mouth. I mean, it I'm did, just talking about the open. Yeah, I'm just saying it, it did well. Like, I mean, and domestically, yeah. it was solid um, week in and week out. I mean, it's still in the theaters. So Yeah, uh, I'm just talking about it, like, initially. And the word of mouth has made this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, it made it do a lot better than I thought it was, like, early on, because it was the word of mouth. Mm-hmm. But. And so that could happen with the Superman, but when you have a 10-year track record of just up and down, sometimes just abject, tear horrible movies, yeah. and knowing and not looking like you have a direction, that is absolutely. If Superman, what's it supposed to come out? Twenty-five. Yeah. People yeah. aren't. That's not like you're having a five-year gap. That's a year and a half from now. Yeah. Or yep. probably closer to two years when Superman comes. Still, people are not. That's that's not enough time. So you better have your shit ducks in a row, because the the what what's come before you is absolutely going to affect what you're trying to do, James Gunn. Right. There, uh, there's no doubt it is. Yeah, I mean it is. It, <laughs> I mean I, I'm sitting here and I'm 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 you're giddy. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> giddy per se but i am definitely stifling a chuckle <laughs> so i mean I, I wish i remembered which one on the um the pad was the uh the cheer <laughs> <laughs> so um but yeah okay so uh we were gonna do the what we're watching but i'm gonna push that back to next week um okay. just because we've been we're at almost an hour here and we've gone like really, really deep on the flash um, much deeper. I think than we, we intended thanks to deadline yeah. putting out this article while we were talking. Um, <laughs> but um, it's just, uh, 
it's just crazy. It's crazy. It is it, it, crazy that anybody would look at this and defend it. It's crazy that anyone would, would consider this anything than an unmitigated failure. And it's crazy that Andy Machete and Barbara Machete are even in talks to do anything else. Um, I, I'll, I'll never forget an entourage when Ari was always trying to get Vinny to get his next role while the current one was filming so that he could go from movie to movie to movie. And this is why if your thing bombs, um, you're damaged goods for a little while. Yeah. It's like when athletes, you know how they bet on themselves and like Aaron judge bet on himself and Oh boy, he got a good contract, but other guys have not been so lucky. They bet on themselves and then they're like, they have a terrible season or they get hurt. And it's like, well, yeah, that's going to affect these next few years for you, contract wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, on that note, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I just apologize for betting your life. I mean, you should because if anyone's betting anyone's life, it's me betting your life. <laughs> as, as the great. And uh, Paragon of Virtue, Conor McGregor once said, I apologize for absolutely nothing. <laughs> yes, he's a Paragon of Virtue, apparently. Um, <laughs> like, let, let's let's see what happens uh, with the investigation from the NBA Finals. So, um, cool. Well, on that note, uh, while you're at it, checking out what Conor McGregor did, check out the video of Joe, Joe Biden trying to grope Eva Longoria. Um, that's fun. And, um, yeah, cool. All right. Do you any last words? Nah. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, I'm going to go laugh probably until I pee when <laughs> we're done here, um, at, at the state of the flash. Um, I, it's funny cause I'm drinking out of my flash, um, shaker cup. <laughs> That's and, funny. Um, I, I could not be happier about what's happening. Oh, I will say this. Extraction 2, good solid movie. Yeah. Some great action sequences, some one shots that are insane. Yeah. So. Well, I think Haley threw Netflix on the TV with uh, her account, so I am um, I'll I'll see if I can watch it. We can review it next week. Sweet. So, and do what we're watching. So, or oh, you yep. know what? Or you could take what I was watching and you could binge it this week and we could talk about that as well. I didn't see what you were watching. It's um, based on a true story. On oh, based on a true story. Yeah. It's okay. eight It's eight 30 minute episodes. I, I did see that. Amazing. I thought amazing. I, more of that. I, more. Yeah. I saw that they were shorter episodes. Yeah. So maybe. So, okay. Well, we are going to wrap this up. We'll talk to you all later. Have a great week. See you. See you. The Infamous Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at infamouspodcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamous podcast. 
We have some great rewards for our patrons who are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So, whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.